Blog Talk Radio. Stacey, how are you doing this evening? I'm okay. I was just about to tell you, I may not be able to stay long because I'm not feeling too hot. Uh, I mean, like I said, well, like I said, it won't be a long podcast, no way, uh, uh, no way. So here's our topics tonight. We're gonna first talk about the racist video, the racist video by the University of Alabama uh, by the uh, Great Value Snooky looking bitch. Uh, <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm gonna get my, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna say my piece, and then I'm gonna let you talk. Okay. Any. I, I've known, I've partied with a lot of white people in college and even now. And they always say drunk thoughts are normally sober thoughts. Like there's right. that old saying that drunk, drunk, drunk thoughts are always sober thoughts. Anytime I agree. a girl, anytime somebody, and, and, and as I say, I've partied with a lot of white folks, a lot of white people. I've never heard the, not one white person I've partied with say the N-word around me. And if they did say it, they knew not to say it around me because either I'm going to give them that look or else I would have to speak to them physically with with my fist. So they knew that. This girl is kind of like is doing nothing uh, something that's no different than some of the people that come from New Jersey that move down here to, to the South to go to school. And they decide that, well, the University of Alabama, I can say the N-word and not get any, any consequences. It's just like the people that go to Ole Miss from out of state that don't even live in the South. They right. decided, they, they believe for the most part, and I'm not saying all, but they believe for the most part that the South is nothing more than rednecks and white trash and that they can say their little racist things that they've said, you know, on, on their little um, Call of Duty or, or their Call of Duty or their Facebook or Twitter or their Instagram, and they believe that they can get away with those, they can get away with those things without any re- uh, repercussion. And this is what this girl believed in. I don't believe that, okay, you got so drunk that you all of a sudden say you hate niggers. No, you've always believed that. You've always believed that. And it's like the people that were in that car didn't even flinch, flinch to hold her accountable for what she said. So they're just as guilty as, right. as her. Right, and I'm like, look, look. If you gonna say something, this girl I know told me that she basically not punched out a racist for saying some racist shit. I applaud that because you're not complicit. Okay, when you're complicit in your silence, you're as guilty as the person that said it. And the thing about people like her is that she's probably not the only one. She's around here saying, well, I'm sorry and all this stuff. No, 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 no. That's not how this works. 
You're sorry that you got caught. You're not sorry. You're sorry that you got caught in your shit. So, of course, of course, you're going to be sobbing and shit. And I applaud her mom. Her mom was like, well, we didn't teach her with those values. Maybe she didn't. She didn't teach her to say those racist things. You missed the last one that the dude posted, the first two. You missed the last one then that I reposted, and I don't know if you saw this, but she was on the phone. Apparently somebody called and gave him the information about uh, her, and uh, her and her friend are talking, and she said, she like you said, she wasn't sorry. You know, she wasn't like, oh, I'm so sorry, and didn't bother to apologize to us, didn't bother to apologize to anybody. She said that, and she said on there, and her mom, if you, you read the whole article, her mom put her out. Said she put her out like two years ago, and she's living with the grandparents. And I heard her say on this phone conversation that her grandfather, I think she said grandfather, is a racist. So she picks it up from them. Her mama mm-hmm. said that... Her and her sister are having problems. People are making threats online to them. So, you know, she you're absolutely right. She didn't apologize. She apologized for she didn't say, I'm sorry to the to the African American community. I'm sorry to the University of Alabama. She didn't say that. She her son no. knew she wasn't being sincere about any of that shit. If she you're, was not if you're being, being sincere. If you're being sincere, it's just like it was this guy it's this guy who writes about the Saints that lived where well, he lived in New Orleans. Well, one time, well, um, not too long ago, we just elected a mayor. We elected our very first woman mayor, African American woman mayor of New Orleans. Well, the night that she got elected, she started praising God. Now, you know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of politicians, politicians do this. And the guy says, well, I didn't know Democrats uh, Democrats were thanking God. And I'm like, how many times did Obama thank God when he was uh, in office? So everybody, and, and a lot of people in New Orleans, a lot of people on New Orleans Twitter are most, for the most part, a, a, a bit, they're mostly liberal. I'm more moderate. You know, I've, I've voted for Democrats. I'm not as Neo, I'm not a neoliberal. I'm more moderate than anything. But I know I, I'll call y'all your bullshit, Republican or Democrat. So I right. was like, well, I'm not a bad person, and um, I'm not a bad person. But I'm like, dude, we don't care if you're a bad person. If you're a bad person, you're a bad person. If you're a good person, you're a good person. You said some dumb shit, and you got called out on it. Right. You got called out on your bullshit. But he doubled down, started blocking everybody. And for the most part, I, I mean, I've hung with him. Like, you, you know how, um, I, I don't know if you remember, like the University of Alabama, the the, the, the woman that did the shootings at, at, at Huntsville? Oh, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, I remember that. Oh, yeah. You know she shot somebody in Boston, and they didn't. I think she shot a brother or somebody in Boston. She shot her brother. Okay. You know how that? Like I saw like the the snap episode of that of that case. I did. You want to know how? Like, like her and her husband are creepy as hell. They look creepy as hell. Mm. That's what him and his wife 
they creep the fuck out of me. They they're living in Kansas City now, but he creeps the fuck out of me. Okay, and he makes these stupid ass remarks, and I'm like, you're mad because you got caught. You're not apologizing. You're mad because you got caught. And that's what I see with this case. You're pissed off that you got caught. And then a lot of it, 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 and as I say, I don't know really all the the details with the sorority girls. uh, Now, the the people that were in the car, they were complicit in it. Do I think that the sorority was complicit and knew what was going on? I don't think they did. So I'm not going to go and cast judgment on the sorority. However, I'm, I am going to cast judgment on this great value snooking looking, snooky looking bitch. <laughs> well, I can't, like I said, everything you say, um, dead, you, you hit it dead on because, like I said, she has no regrets for what she said, first of all. And then to sit there and what also pissed me off, Ryan, what also pissed me off, and you might have seen or may not have seen my tweets, was the fact that she admitted she slept with a bunch of, with a with a black athlete. She slept with a football player, but she hate niggas. And I said, see there, I said, that pissed me off the most because she's using oh, yeah. these dudes. You hate niggas, but you're sitting up there, you're sleeping with one. You are sleeping with a couple of them because she probably didn't spread her legs for more than one of them. But you're sitting up on these videos hollering about you hate niggas. And like you said, she came down here thinking because she's at the University of Alabama and because of our reputation, which I admit from the past is well-deserved, but this 2018, this this is not 1968, this ain't 78, this ain't 88, this ain't 98, this is 2018. She thought she could bring her little nap. Her ass down here and talk that shit, and she did, and she did it on purpose because I thought one of her sorority sisters had did it. She wanted to release the tape, so she honestly thought nobody was gonna say shit to her because she in the south, and that's how dumb she is. How does, how does like I said, if, if she, you know, why would you put yourself out there like that? Somebody was gonna tell on your dumb ass. Um, Somebody was gonna um, sit there and turn you in, and you honestly thought what the university was gonna raise their hands and say, oh, we're not gonna do anything. Bullshit. This is not, like I said, this ain't even 10 years ago. This ain't 2008. This is 2018. And you think you're fixing to get away with it? And not, like I said, my campus, when I graduated, uh, it was in the 90s, and we had 18,000 people going to school with me. 18. That was it. That has more than almost tripled. We're almost up to 40,000. We're almost doubled, I should say. We're almost up to 40,000 people on that campus now, going on campus and then doing, you know, online stuff. And, and graduates as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, and graduate. And like I said, it's so much diversity now. And then, like I said, and then our head coach, I mean, is Nick Saban, Nick Saban, Basically, we all kind of know back-channeling that we know he kind of liberal. You know that shit ain't going down like that. She should have known better, old dumb bitch. Excuse me, Lord. <laughs> but, uh, look, look, God, look. It's like I said, it, it reminds me like this girl had said something like on, on Twitter and was like, well, I'm not racist. I sleep with a black dude. Okay. Exactly. You know, that's the kind, that's like, that's like what, 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 what Trump says. <laughs> That's like what Trump says. He's always saying, well, look at my African-American friend and stuff. I'm like, dude, you're still racist, okay? I don't give a fuck how many people you employ. I don't give a fuck how many black people you employ. I don't give a fuck how many black women you fuck. You're still a fucking racist. You're still a fucking racist, okay? 
I hate when when white folks when certain when white people say that stuff. They like we not racist. We not racist. I'm like, okay, don't tell me, show me you're not racist. Exactly. You know, don't 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 show me don't 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 tell me you're not racist. Show me you're not racist. That's why I quit working for this dude. It was a guy that uh, worked in the. Uh, I worked for this guy in the quarter, and this guy was, of all things, this guy was gay, a racist, and a Trump supporter. And he lived in he lived, and he lived in Chalmette. Chalmette is um Chalmette is like the suburbs of Saint of New Orleans. It's the Saint Bernard Parish. So we always everyone calls it the parish. Okay, you only go to Saint Bernard Parish if you're desperate for anything. Uh. So he was kind of a jerk, and he was like a he was very f um um feminine. Uh-huh. And the thing was with me that pissed me off was when I started to do my own delivery business through Uber Eats, he was trying to stop me from it. And I'm like, well, number one, they can't do anything about it. Number one, if you go to the uh, the Uber office in New Orleans, they're going to laugh at your ass. And number two, you're a fucking racist, okay? I've been on this all all alone. And he would say these dumb Fox News talking points, and I'm like, you know what? You're an unhappy gay dude that should be going to Bourbon and Sand trying to get some dick instead of <laughs> repeating everything that you hear on Fox News. And he's like, oh, when I was blessed by the the whole the Pope, I'm like, motherfucker, so. <laughs> like I used to like I, every time we would go and get our supplies, I used to love pissing him off. I used to love it because I knew he was a jerk and I knew he was a racist. So it was like making him p- pissing him off was like a drug to me. Like being a basically being a troll about everything. But as I said, I'm just like as I said. You know, as I say regarding Harley, uh, uh, oops, uh, Great Value Snooky, I don't have any sympathy for it. I, like, I would have sympathy if you if you were like sincere, but you don't. You're not. Uh, uh-uh, no. And then yeah. she looks. She ain't even that. I mean, she's not attractive. I, <laughs> I mean, everybody no, been I mean, cracking on them lips, saying, "Where her lips at? Where her lips at? Her lips are disappearing." I mean, and I laughed, and I said, "I don't know how did she suck dick." With no lips. How do you suck dick with no lips? See, I want to know I, who I she screwed. Quit. I want to know the football player who actually laid down Please. with this dick. I want, I, I want to know because I, I, I want to know because I, I want to say a prayer for him because, see, oh, dear God, dude. No. No. <laughs> I mean, this is I want to know because you know the one who turned the end was Damian Harris. Damian Harris has a white girlfriend. And uh, mm-hmm. and like I said, I ain't got nothing against black football players dating white girls. I have no no problem with it. That's fine with me. My deal is that to me, this video should go out to every athlete out here. You need to watch for this and understand that not everybody is your friend. There are some people who do it for the just for the bragging rights to say I fucked this guy. And I know there are women out there. Oh yeah. Bragging rights. Oh, yeah. It ain't got nothing. Like oh, yeah. I said, she oh, yeah. don't like black no, people, no. obviously, according to her. She's just doing it for the bragging rights to say later on to somebody, well, you know, I fucked Blank and Blake at Alabama when he played football. And I hope it was oh, yeah. nobody worthwhile. This is a whole hotel. 
This is not this is not a woman, this is a hoe. This oh is yeah, no doubt. H O E. Oh yeah, and like I said, there's no doubt in my mind she's a hoe. And like I said, I'm just curious as to who she fucked because I want to know. I'm Ooh, curious. Yeah. It'll come out at some we point. Somebody's gonna say it, and we somebody know it. If it's Jalen Hurts, then I'm like, oh god, damn, damn it, Jalen. <laughs> damn. I don't think Jalen. Like how, how do you how do you do oil with no lips? Because I've, I've <laughs> never had oil from no girl with, that didn't have any lips. <laughs> I'm, but look, I'm, we care, I'm serious. I'm serious. But I'm gonna say she. <sighs> what we're gonna talk about? Next. We, oh yes, we got, we gotta talk about. Um, this is uh this is very important. Uh, Mike Loxley is now the new offensive coordinator at the University of Alabama. Of course, he uh is the former New Mexico football coach. He also was offensive coordinator at the University of Illinois and the University of Maryland. Um. What's your take on this? Because I think, you know, I think it was a safe hire. Um, it was a safe hire. I'm actually going to look at some numbers that I saw regarding uh, his offense. And um, and this is coming from um, the guys over at AU Blog, at AU Blog, uh, Josh Vitale, that in his eight years as a play caller, um, for, well, aside from the 2007-2008, uh, aside from 2005-2006, he averaged 20 more points in each of those seasons, uh, 27.8 at at Illinois, uh, 28.7 at uh, the following year. Uh, 2007, of course, was the Rose Bowl year, and uh, they had a run-pass ratio of 595 to 323. His last season at Maryland, he was 441- and 388 in the run-pass ratio. The total offense was 375 yards per game. So, on a surface, it looks like a safe hire. It looks like a good hire. But as opposed to what he had to work with at Illinois and Maryland, this is a much more – he has a lot more talent to work with at Alabama. Do you agree with that or not? Oh, I totally agree. I I think it's a good hire. I think that from what I saw, the players wanted him. They they he was like co from what I understand that he was co offensive coordinator or or not co offensive coordinator, but he was helping Duval while he was here. And trust me when I say when Brian Duval left for Buffalo, nobody was crying in Tuscaloosa. Not not this Alabama fan. Most of us was like, oh okay, because we were cussing during the national championship game and. We, a couple of us, were discussing amongst ourselves the other day on Twitter about what you know the ball did with Jalen, and, and some of us feel like he just he sabotaged Jalen. They, some I heard somebody tell me sit there and said, you know what? I believe he sabotaged Jalen because he wanted Tua. Because it came out this week that. DeBall wanted to play Tua earlier in the year. And I guess Saban said, no, you know, we good with where we are. And I don't think he did much for Jalen. I think the main complaint I hear among Bama fans, me being one of them, is that I think we didn't see much improvement in Jalen. Jalen wasn't awful, but we expected him to do more. And from my understanding with Loxley, that he was the one that kind of helped DeBall transition into the college game and helped him with some stuff. So I'm glad that they hired him. I'm glad I was cussing and fussing this week about Hugh Freeze because I was like, oh, no. I mean, I know Hugh Freeze, and there's still a possibility that Hugh Freeze could join the staff. 
uh, as a consultant, and that's the rumor that's out there that he might still join the staff, but I did not want that stain on the University of Alabama on Nick Saban because that, I mean, I realize Hugh Freeze is, is a genius. I'll give him credit. He's a great offensive coordinator, but he brings too much baggage. It's, it's too much suspicious stuff, but I'm glad he got the job. I think he's going to do a good job, and from my understanding, which I didn't know last year, <coughs> excuse me, is that he ran the offense for Tula last spring. So all those numbers you saw going back with Tula, he they were you know doing a a day at Alabama. Duvall had Jalen, and uh, Loxley had uh, he had Tula. So uh, it's gonna be interesting. I think with all the talent they have, and today they also hired the wide receiver coach from Penn State. Took him away from James Franklin, and from my understanding, he put up big numbers when he was with Penn State, and they had like a uh, I think I read they had like uh, seven players that were that were all Big Ten in this offense and that he put up big numbers and I think he's supposed to be co offensive coordinator. So and uh Nick Saban, like I said, I, and I think all three of the hires were black. I think every one of the guys he hired today, at the exception for the guy from Texas A and M, they black dudes. Which I thought was smart on Saban's part. And they're all young and black and they're offensive minded. And I Which think that's gonna good. draw in a lot of recruits. We didn't talk about this last week. Derek Dooley is back in the SEC. He's the offensive coordinator at the University of Missouri. I wrote off Missouri at the beginning of the 2017 season. Um, your take on Derek Dooley being back in the in the SEC? He has Drew Locke to work with, who is one who is arguably the best quarterback in the in the league, which is not saying much because. It's not like what you had back in, you know, in 2010, 2011. You had guys like Ryan Mallett, Cam Newton, um, Cam Newton, Ryan Mallett, Stephen Garcia, um, to a to a lesser you had uh, AJ McCarron, um, Aaron Murray. He right. is the best quarterback in the league right now as we speak. But there, uh, with uh, Drew Locke at Missouri, what's your take on? Hiring Derek Dooley to run the offense at Missouri. Not much. <laughs> I'm a. I remember him being with the Cowboys as the wide receivers coach, and I didn't. I I wasn't impressed. I wasn't impressed when he was at. Uh, he was at Tennessee. I don't know what he brings to Missouri that they didn't already have. Drew Locke is a really good quarterback. I don't know what Derek Dooley is going to bring to this offense. I, I really don't. I mean, maybe he'll surprise me, but. It's not like you like Lane Kiffin. Like when Lane Kiffin came into Alabama, it was totally different. You're like, oh my God, what's Kiffin gonna do? Derek Dooley, eh, man, I don't know. I don't. I'm, I mean, way, it's kind of like I don't think much is gonna of, happen with that. It's the equivalent of the Falcons bringing back Steve Sarkeesian, or as I call him, Steve DeWino. <laughs> uh, I mean, because Steve, like as I said. We were uh, going through the, the numbers with Steve Sarkeesian, uh, and I was like, Steve Sarkeesian, when they hired him to run the offense in Atlanta, nobody was fear in fear of this. And you look at Matt Ryan's numbers now as opposed to what they were uh, in 2016. They're, they're like night and day, like. Matt Ryan was really good during the 2016 season, and because he really was. Kyle Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan, and that offense 
made it so. Steve Sarkeesian basically ruined Matt Ryan this yep. year. And the final play of that game, I, I never seen uh, like I was like, okay, you took the ball out of Kevin Coleman's hands. I'm not I'm a Saints fan, so I'm I'm basically defending the Falcons and saying, hey, the Falcons should have won that game, which they should have. I thought they should have. Anytime you're like in the, within the five yard, the five yard line, uh, 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 and and have a chance to win the game, you call that. <laughs> and and as I as I said, I think Derek Dooley at Missouri might end up being like Sarkeesian with the Falcons. You're gonna see. I don't. I think if they had hired somebody like an up and comer, up and comer from a, a G5 school, I would have been okay with it. But why would you go and get a coaching retread who really didn't do, as you say, who really didn't do anything at Tennessee? And and really, if we were being honest, he really didn't do shit with the Cowboys. No, I mean, he because, didn't. I mean, De- when Dez Bryant, before Dez, before he got that job with the Cowboys, Dez Bryant was what, the top, was a top five wide receiver. Now mm-hmm. there's there's Brian's probably what top twenty top thirty in the league. Is that? The, and I'm a Cowboys not, fan, and I'm one of the main people saying right now. To me, they ought to trade him. I would trade up because they need help in the secondary. I would take Mika Fitzpatrick or trade up so I can get Calvin Ridley, somebody like that. Which I heard rumor has it maybe Mel Kiper or somebody said that they're going to get Calvin Ridley. At the 19th spot. Now that's that's this room I heard, but I would. I mean, I don't. I was never impressed with Derek Dooley. He didn't do anything to me that warrants for him to be like offensive coordinator at Missouri. That that's yeah. That's gonna be a sarcastic no, type. It's, it's something called having a, a famous last name. Having a famous right. last name helps a lot, and that's really what it what got him that job at Missouri. So now we shift over to the next topic, and this is the. Uh, I'm still in recovery mode uh, from Sunday, uh, from Sunday when the Saints losing to the Vikings. The most demoralizing loss you ever witnessed your team uh, endure. And, and for me, I always say this 2008 Final Four with, uh, with, when Memphis took on Kansas because I'm a big Memphis Tiger basketball fan. And i say number two would probably be Oh Lord, number two would be the 2014 NLCS. Third, I wouldn't say the third. I would say uh, the 2012 Alabama LSU game. TJ Yeldon, the scram pass from McCarron to Yeldon, and for a long time, Zachary Ross and Hunter Johnson used to always tweet me that damn picture of (laughs) TJ Yeldon running past two diving LSU defenders towards the end zone. Because I always thought had we won that, if we had won that game, more than likely Alabama wouldn't, I don't think Alabama would have won the national title. We would have been still in the driver's seat for the national title. And, well, I don't know. But but that's the third one. I think the fourth one for me would have been, oh, Lord. Four is, I would say, any of the Arkansas losses in Little Rock, uh, 2002, 2006, and 2010, any of them losses. 
I say the 2002 one made me was the one that made me really mad. The miracle on Markham. Like every time I go to war, every time I go through Little Rock, I always give the uh, the middle finger to War Memorial, uh, to war <laughs> memorial Stadium. So I what would be your list? <laughs> go ahead. No, what would be your list? Uh, obviously number one for me was the kick six. I that was devastating. I'm still pissed off to this day about that. I still I did not. I mean. I skipped church that Sunday. I didn't listen to talk radio or watch Farm Mom. Didn't do anything that whole week. My cousin, who's an Alabama graduate, she's in Atlanta, said the same thing to me. I mean, it was a devastating loss for Alabama fans. That was the worst, I think. Um, second to it, up there, I'm trying to think. Might have been uh, Dallas and Green Bay a few years ago when this whether yeah. or not he caught. That was that devastating because that was a good damn team. That was a Super Bowl team, and he still, to my, I think he caught the ball. But that was some, that was a bullshit call. But yeah, that that's up there with me. Um, probably the Cowboys losing to the Steelers in the Super Bowl when I was a kid. When uh, God, who dropped the ball? I can't think of his name. Dropped the ball in the end Jackie zone Smith? and Jackie Smith. Smith. Yeah, that hurt. The Braves losing to Minnesota in the World Series, I think when they went the first time, I think uh, Curry Puckett and all them, and it was like the game-winning play or something. And I think the either Puckett run. or we'll I got the home run and we'll won the game, like we'll in the 10th and 11th we'll inning. That was devastating. We'll and see you tomorrow night. You will see you tomorrow night, and that was it. And then probably ugh, the last one. I, I was a Cardinals fan back in the day, so maybe the Kansas City Cardinals oh, series oh, when the when the umpire missed the call and clearly he was out and that changed the whole World Series and I've hated the Kansas City Royals pretty much ever since. But yeah, I mean, that I, that was devastating Brave, to me. Brave fans, like, with Brave fans, if you, I almost got killed by a Brave fan when I mentioned <laughs> if you mention infield fly to people. They spit. They, oh my! Like the game, Even me looking at it, back, looking back at it, even I told someone it was a, a blown. They blew the call because I'm like, that's not an infield fly. I mean, as many times I played baseball for 14 years, you know, uh, sandlot baseball and a little league and a in a few years in middle school and high school. I played for about 14 years. I've never seen anyone call an infield fly with a ball that's way out in left field. And when they said it was an infield fly, I was like, oh, my God, they're not going to win this game. Like, they literally that, – that one play in that game basically destroyed the Braves franchise because the Braves never recovered from that. Never. Like, I used to make this joke, I said – like I used to make this joke about the Braves. I, I made this joke about Kate Upton. I say, well, I think Kate Upton cursed both the Braves and the Tigers. <laughs> and the and the reason why I think she cursed, I say, just look at the theory. The theory is that she basically destroyed two baseball teams. She wrecked the Fran- the Tigers franchise, and wrecked the Braves franchise because the Braves. Yeah. 
was She's a Yoko Ono baseball. <laughs> yes. Well, she didn't destroy the Astros. The Astros won the World Series. And and, and I always thought that what Verla- Verlander did in Houston, the fact that he won a World Series in Houston and not in Detroit, it says a whole lot. I mean, a lot of Tiger fans, you know, I think they, they I think they were happy for him. But I think at the, at the same time there was a bit of sadness because that should have been Detroit. Right. That should have been the Tigers, especially in 2011. I thought they were going to win the World Series in 2011 when we won it, when the Cardinals won it. And a lot of Car- Ranger fans, if you tell them once one strike away, oh my God, they they get they get sick. They get sick. You know, and and you know, but I think that's the beauty of baseball and. Speaking of baseball, we got, before we get uh, go to our championship Sunday pick, your take on the on the, on the Hall of Fame? Uh, there's been some projections that it looks like it would be uh, Tony Edgar and Chipper. Chipper, I I knew was going to be a first ballot Hall of Fame. Oh yeah, famer. And I and I think Edgar getting in if he gets in, it'll be a long time coming. I'm I'm not too sure about Tommy. I think Tommy should get in. But my whole thing is about the steroid era players like the Roger Clemens and the Barry Bonds. I want to say this. I think both Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame. I feel this way because those guys put up Hall of Fame numbers, okay? If they used steroids, if they did or if they didn't, who gives a shit? Because back in the, in the 50s and 60s, they were using greenies. To, uh, they were using greenies and amphetamine. Uh, uh, I can't pronounce the damn word, but they were using greenies back in the day. They, they were like that. Uh, they were using, you know, those type of things back in the day. And they were hell. And they were. And some of them people were like womanizers and drinkers and shit. Racist. So, <laughs> racist and everything. So if we are gonna pull that card out, that steroid card bullshit out on Clemens and Bonds and McGuire and Sosa, then hell, take it, then, then hell, yank everybody out, yank the Mickey Mantles out, yank the Yogi Barrels out, yank the uh, the Whitey Fords out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, so I kind of I, agree with that. I agree with that. that I think that uh, I, think, I mean, I don't have a problem with Baseball and Bonds and and Clemens. I think a few years ago there. I think now in reflection, I I probably don't care because they were they were good. I mean, I think I think McGuire needs to get into. I agree with that. I think that you just you know Rafael Palmeiro. I mean, you got to put these guys. Now. I don't think you're gonna you're just basically gonna cut out because what basically and they're gonna cut out the people from the from I guess from what nineteen whatever nineteen ninety five. Uh, back or whatever, or to cut everybody out from from under two thousand. I, I don't know how you do it because, like you said, Mickey Mantle was an alcoholic. He died, I think, from liver cancer eventually. Ty Cobb yeah, was liver a racist. Cancer. Yeah, he had liver cancer. That's Ty what Cobb I thought. Was a racist. Ty Cobb was I mean, a racist. I mean, I, I, but I think too. I, but I think it's going to open the Pandora's box because then people are going to say, "Well, what about Pete Rose?" And that's going to be. That, think, that argument I, I continues. Think, you know, I don't know about letting like, him in, but I guess if you're going to let, I guess that's what baseball is. But baseball to me has always been kind of snobbish about who they pick for the Hall of Fame. They're a little bit more stricter. 
and I understand mm-hmm. it to a certain point, but I think that I think that's part of the reason probably we won't see these guys in because that means you're going to have to open Pandora's box and let Pete Rose in. And I don't think he's going to get in. I think they're going to keep that door I locked think, I don't think a while Pete longer. Rose is, it, I don't think Pete Rose, and, and it kind of reverts back to that uh, great value snooky looking bitch. I don't think he's sincere about. I don't think he is either. He's not sincere. And I feel like he's making more money as the hit king. And he's made, well, he, I mean, he was doing Fox Sports analysts for a long time. He was the analyst on Fox Sports for a, long, for a minute. But I think at the end of the day, I don't believe that he's sincere about you know, what he did, I don't think he realizes, well, what I did was wrong. I'm willing to rectify it. I I think that's the thing that you're seeing with Pete Rose. Now, uh, one last thing we'll talk about regarding baseball is Sammy Sosa and the Cubs letting him come back. I think, to me, and some people are like, well, he's been arrogant about it. Here's the thing about Sammy Sosa and the Cubs. When Sammy Sosa was smashing those home runs and breaking windows on Waveland Avenue, nobody gave a flying shit what he did off the field or his attitude. It only happened when when, when when the power started to dwindle, when they decided to use – when they decided to use – to treat him like a used car. It was kind of like the equivalent of what you saw – with Babe Ruth in the uh, in the twilight of his career, Babe Ruth had um, had gone had done all these things, basically built the Yankee brand. And when they found when they realized he was you know of no use, they gave him his they gave him his release, and he ended up playing for the uh, the Boston the Boston Braves. So, but however. They did bring him back. They brought him back to honor him at Yankee Stadium. They brought him back when he was dying. That's the thing. The same way with Lou Gehrig. They brought him back when he was dying. But, you know, they gave him his flowers while he's still here. However, the thing is with Sammy Sosa is that he put – money into that franchise. He made Wrigley Field. And those teams were not good teams, okay? The the 98 team went to the wild card, and they had to win a one-game playoff to beat the Giants to get to the playoffs. Okay, the 2003 season, they won 89 games, uh, 89 games and won – uh, I think five out of seven. I think they had to win five out of seven against the against my Cardinals to get to to be in a position to win the division in 2003. And in 2001, they had a winning season, which was their sixth winning season in 30 years. Aside from that, those 60 home run seasons he had in Chicago, they were making the Cubs rich. You could not go anywhere in Chicago without seeing somebody wearing a Sammy Sosa jersey or a jersey. You couldn't go anywhere in Chicago without seeing him on a billboard or hawking some product like for a McDonald's or something like that. 
You couldn't. He doesn't owe anybody an apology. I feel that Tom Ricketts saying, well, they need to, we need, he needs to apologize. Apologize for what? He was never implicated on steroids. He was, all he did was he left the ballpark early on the final day of the season in 2004. Well, I agree. I mean, I just, I think it's just foolishness. Get over it, Cubs organization. I mean, the man meant a lot to that team, like you said. He kind of reminds you a bit of when Dale Murphy paid for the Braves, which somebody else I think deserves a Hall of Fame consideration, but that's just me. But uh, oh, he, he, I've always believed he should have been in, 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 in Cooperstown. I mean, he had a he really was, good seat, a really good career. He really did. And I, like I said, for him not to be in the Hall of Fame is a, a travesty. But, yeah, I mean, he – I mean, it, the Cubs sucked for the most part until the last few years, and he carried that team a lot. Like you said, they in the season they were competitive. He carried that team on his back. It was him, Mark Grace, and at times Ryan Sandberg. And I think for him not to, you know, for somebody to make a big deal because he left the ballpark early a few years ago, or he was a little arrogant, so what? He's one of the greatest Cubs of all time, and they need to be honoring Andre Dawson too for that matter, you know. I mean, they 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 need to do this. If they have, they maybe they have on uh, Andre Dawson, but yeah, you know, to me, you know, get over a Cubs organization. He he's a, you know, bring him back now. Please don't have him wear white or pink because we don't want him to blend in with the shirt. Let's go and say that. Make sure he wears some dark so we can see him. Because if he come out there with something pale or white on, we ain't gonna be able to tell who he is. If you haven't seen right. him lately. <laughs> But honor him, yeah. You got to honor Sosa. Come on, man. You know, come on. Have a heart. So what well, about here, the players? Here's the thing. Here, oh. Here's the thing. We're going to move into the uh, final segment of the show tonight. And as always, you can always catch these episodes on the Double Overtime Radio Network and iTunes. Uh, and this is considering the championship Sunday of the NFL. Do you think Tom Brady plays? I think he does. I think all of this stuff is for show. I mean, uh, the gloves and all this stuff. I think Tom Brady plays on Sunday. Oh, hell yeah. He's not, no doubt in my mind. No, Tom Brady's not missing this game. Don't care. Unless he has a broken arm, and even then he might go out there and play. It's Tom Brady. And I think with, against the Jacksonville Jaguars, I think he won't have a problem. I mean, I, I, well, I, but you know that's the wrong thing. I'd like to brag on myself and say I was three and one last week, but I didn't see. Did you see the Jaguars scoring, putting up what forty eight points on the Steelers? Forty five points. Forty five points. Forty two. Thirty five. That team for so many, for so as much as you want, as much as people don't want to admit, that front, that team is being done in by poor drafting. And poor free agency, and I think the they're you mean? to me. Yeah, the the Steelers, they're being done in by this. You're you're seeing you can't offense your way to a championship. They really nope. haven't made really. Uh, they haven't really made any smart decisions on the defensive side of the ball. I thought Bud Dupree was going to be a a talent at the at, uh, a, a great pick for the Steelers when they drafted him. I wanted him to come to New Orleans, but he we haven't heard. Uh, uh, barely a peep out of him in Pittsburgh. And I think, honestly, 
Pete, the uh, Pittsburgh, the Steelers, they're, they're, they're to me they're basically wasting the last few years of a Big Ben, and I think they're honestly wasting Le'Veon Bell's uh, prime and Antonio Brown's prime. You know who they look like? <laughs> they look like the Indianapolis Colts with Peyton Manning before they won the Super Bowl. That's, they can score a bunch of points, and but you got to have defense. You got to have at some point you got to stop somebody, and I was stunned. I mean, in Jacksonville, the way they that's because I mean, you know I said thirty five to nothing. I figured piece of cake. They wasn't, you know, Jacksonville. It was, was going to be, it was, it was be a piece of cake, but I think, and I think honestly, the Steelers got caught up in the fact that they were looking ahead to play right. New England, and they just did not respect Jacksonville. Because say what you will. Jacksonville, the defense in Jacksonville is really good. Jacksonville yeah. is built through the draft. I mean, say what you will about Blake Boyles as a quarterback, but they built that front, they built that team through the draft. They built it by drafting uh, guys like Jalen Ramsey, Allen Houston. Uh, you now have Leonard Fournette. That's really what they needed. That's what, really what Blake Bortles needed. In, right. in Jacksonville, he needed a, a, a good supporting cast, and the defense is doing their job. Uh, the defense is doing their job. Uh, I mean, they forced five turnovers on, on Big Ben, and and they basically, you know, yeah, they want they gave up. Yeah, they scored thirty five points, but that game was not close. That game was right. not close, as you know, compared to what you see in the uh, in the box score. You're like, oh, this was a close game. No, no, it wasn't. Jacksonville. Outscored, outplayed, and outmanned that Steelers team. They, so, absolutely, absolutely. So, so. But I think they're going to run into a buzzsaw. I think this is New England and Foxborough. Good luck with that. I mean, I, I yeah, would I'm gonna, I'm, I say I'm probably like I'm gonna probably go to the second line for that. Uh, like they having the second line downtown, like um, downtown for New Orleans. In New Orleans, we call downtown everything below Canal Street. So I'm going to the second line downtown on Sunday during the game, during the uh, during the AFC title game, because I'm not going to sit there and watch Tom Brady do unholy things to the Jaguars. I'm just <laughs> I hope they're, the, they're, the old, they're the early game, correct? Yeah, I believe that's the early game. Well, I might be at church. I'm I'm not sure. So I'm, I might miss I missed the Atlanta game last week. I, well, no, I missed the last five minutes of the Atlanta game because I went out for my birthday. So yeah, I, I missed All that. Right. Oh, happy belated birthday! I forgot to. Thank you, you. thank you. But um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't uh, think that New England won't have a tough time with uh, Jacksonville this week. I think that I, although Jacksonville may score some points, New England with Brady and. The weapons he has, they're going to be too tough. Yeah, but the game, the game is probably going to be the Vikings Eagles. and the Eagles. Eagles now, who you got? Vikings. You taking the Vikings? I, I think I'm pick, I, I'm, I want to go with the Vikings because uh, my friend, my good friend Mary, on the uh, on our Hot Takes podcast on on the Kids Wear Crown dot com, she uh, was the only one that picked Vikings and Patriots last week. I'm going against this. I can't see the Vikings winning this game because, number one, no team has ever hosted a Super Bowl in their own stadium. No team has ever played a, you know, host 
played and hosts the Super Bowl, I think that trend continues. It's going to be the Eagles and a close one. Yeah, I'm going with the Eagles, too. I think that Minnesota used up all their luck last week with their Hail Mary. I, I think it's when – when I saw that, oh and I, you know, I, I, it, like, I was I was screaming like, oh, my God, he caught it. It's a touchdown. I was stunned. Every, I, we were at – there was a place at Tracy, and I was setting up my camera, uh, my iPhone camera, to shoot the final seconds of the game. And – the final, I was going to shoot the set, like, I was going to film the celebration, right? So, I'm like, maybe I shouldn't do this. So, I went back over to where I was standing, and Case Keenum throws a pass. Stephon Diggs almost went out of bounds before right. he, he almost stumbled out of bounds. Like, if he stumbles out of bounds, you probably got, like, what, four or five seconds left on the clock. He finds his footing, and I'm like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" It was just, a, it was just a complete freak play that nobody saw coming. And all this week, and I've been like you with, you know, with like with how you were with the kick six. They've been showing that all. They've been showing replays of that all week on NFL Network. Like anytime I do my deliveries and I'll ride by like a, a place like a, a place like a Willie's Chicken Shack on Bourbon or on Decatur, they always got like the the um, the uh, a clip of, of about the game uh, about that game. And I'm like every time I see it, I just every, anytime I see Saints Vikings, I'm like I just I just be like I don't want to see this. I don't well, never don't. let me tell you from experience from the kick six, every time they show the Alabama-Auburn game, that's going to be the first thing they mention is the kick six. They mention every time everybody wanted to scream, everybody was cussing during the week of the Alabama-Auburn game because that was the first thing they mentioned every time Alabama plays Auburn and Auburn is the kick six. So you're going to be seeing that for the rest of your days. Trust me. I, I was Trust curious. me. Bonner, here's a funny part about that game. Dee Bonner had was had, used to follow me on Twitter, and then this was, and then she blocked me because I criticized her son. <laughs> the weekend, the week of that game, she inboxed me and told me that she had gotten a divorce. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, she actually, she actually told me this, and I told her, I'm not, I'm not, like I told her, I'm like, I'm not telling anybody. Because I'm like, you know, if you telling me something in private, I'm like, it's not going out. <laughs> not going out. But that is exactly what – she got divorced three days before they played Auburn. Oh, my god. Before gosh. y'all played Auburn, she got, she got divorced. She got a divorce. And her – and I actually had criticized her son, which I wasn't. I was like, well, he's not a first-round draft pick. It was just that. I mean, I think he, he could be a good pro. He'll be a great backup. But he's not a first round draft pick. And whoop, she blocked me. But yeah, that's my little uh, kick six story. And the funny <laughs> part about it is that Atlanta Falcons fans have trolled or trolling Saints fans. And I'm like, okay, a 24, blowing a 24 23 lead with 10 seconds to go is not the same as blowing a 28 3 lead in the Super Bowl. Like, you cannot recover from that. 
Like a twenty-eight. Like the only way we stop making fun of your ass is if you win the Super Bowl. Not and y'all not gonna stop then, but what I <laughs> y'all not gonna stop. I, that was my interment this week was watching Saints and Falcons fans go back and forth with each other all week about who had the worst loss. That was the funniest stuff ever. It was. I was and, quite entertained. And I'm like, everybody. I have a story about that game as well. I was working. At, I was working on Bourbon that night, and when they lost that game to the Patriots, there was a girl right there on the side of this garbage can crying. And like in New Orleans, we have like little, um, we have like little remote control garbage cans. We have like a few of them. They're they're like on Bourbon and stuff. And she was crying. Her eyes, she was crying. And she was in her Matt Meyer jersey. That's the one image, that's one of the two images I'll never forget regarding my time here in New Orleans. That girl crying when they lost. Because I actually saw the same thing when I went to do a delivery and this girl was like, she was in her Drew Brees jersey, and she was crying. She was standing right next, she was sitting next, she was sitting on the curb crying. That's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> it, it's but, heartbreaking, because like I said, I, like I told you, when the kick six happened, I don't, I didn't cry, I cussed a lot, and like I said, I avoided TV or at least sports television for a week. I could not take it. I could not take it. But I wonder now thinking, you know, we think that's bad. How bad was it for Auburn fans, though, They had to sit there and watch your two biggest rivals play each other for a national championship and you beat us both? You beat us both and basically it amounts to nothing other than bragging rights. I mean, that has to suck tremendously. It's one thing to oh, lose yeah. because it's but that to have your that's like what like I said, it's like Auburn and Tennessee playing for us. That's like the worst thing that could possibly happen in life is to have to watch Tennessee and Auburn playing the national championship. That would kill all Alabama fans right now. But to be an Auburn fan and that has to me I, that has to be the equivalent of the kick six for them to have to watch and then to watch Alabama come back and win at the end. Because our rumor had oh, that, that they were going to toilet paper that uh, Georgia had won. Oh Lord, that has they, to hurt. So I, you know, they would it would have been crazy. But anyway, we are coming to the end of this podcast. And uh, again, guys, thank you so much for uh, tuning in to tonight's podcast. And uh, as always, say good night, Stacy. Good night, Stacy. Good night, guys. We'll see you next week. All right.